Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another Coleman Had a Dream podcast. I am joined, as always, by Ruth. How are you doing, Ruth? Okay, a bit chilly. It's uh, I'm sat in a lay-by, and it's um, minus what would it be in Celsius? Minus four Celsius. Um, we've had we've had smoother starts to podcasts, haven't we? I was going to say very entertaining. <laughs> I am late starting this recording as my dog, God love him, um, decided about five minutes from my house he needed to do what dogs do, uh, except he did it up against a bush and he trapped the contents of his bottom between the bush and his bottom. And when he stepped away, it basically just slid down his bum onto the floor. So our six o'clock start has become a half past six start on the basis that I had to basically shower the dog um this is top quality football content that i'm sure the guardian podcast uh talk about these sorts of things all the time um so yeah this is the, this is the reason you tune in ladies and gentlemen uh, is this sort of high quality football content uh ruth is shimmering in a, in a lay-by uh, first thing in the morning and i uh have just been dealing with a soiled dog which is a fantastic start to today's podcast um let's talk about uh football uh, for a change. So we are going to talk today about the transfer window. We are going to talk about some of the players who moved, some of the players who didn't move. Uh, a mention for the Pinatar Cup as well, which is starting uh, very, very soon, where the women are playing a tournament in Spain. Uh, uh, some conversation about the tickets uh, for the playoffs, which went on sale the other day and was, uh, I would say, a bit of a shambles. And we're going to have the main bulk of our conversation talking about the joint bid for the Euro 2028 Championships. Not the 2008 Championships, as I said in our first recording. Um, We will start, Ruth, with transfers. The biggest transfer is undoubtedly Aaron Ramsey going to Rangers. What's your thoughts? Well, I won't pretend I saw that one coming. I don't think think many people did. Um, I actually think, given it's a loan and it's presumably an opportunity for him, you know, to get some match fitness ahead of March, a little bit less stressful than, let's say, playing in the Premier League. All in all, I think it might not be a bad outcome, all things considered. Um, I think if it gives him a way to show show what he has over the next few months. You know, maybe they have an option to buy, I understand. So maybe it becomes a permanent move. But I think I think it's an opportunity for him to show he's got some fitness. Um, and I think the 15 minutes or so he had at the weekend seemed to go okay. Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, from a Rangers perspective, it's obviously a great signing. Uh, and I think in terms of yeah. minutes and kind of stress, if you like, perspective from a, from a Wales point of view, I think it's also a good signing in that, yes, okay, he may face some more industrial challenges up there than he would in Turin. But equally, I, I don't think he needs to be playing to the top of his ability. He doesn't need to be at... 100% capacity can sort of play within himself, I, I guess, to an, to an extent mm-hmm. um, to kind of produce what he needs to produce and then still be kind of ready for the Wales game. The, the, the one thing I did think was interesting is that there weren't more teams, uh, Newcastle aside, that, that were interested in from the Premier League. I, I understand Burnley and Villa were, but I think the Coutinho deal um, ended at the, uh, Villa's interest in in Rambo. So Burnley was the was the main offer on the table. It seems there was apparently one other Premier League club in. We don't know who that was. Um, I'm just a little bit surprised that there weren't others. But I suppose in January, he's not had the greatest of injury records recently. I suppose um, it would be a stretch. I think also perhaps there was there was more guarantee for him of, of some playing time in Rangers. 
I, I think probably at Burnley as well, but I think some of the other options might have been, you know, um, is he, are, are we are we as a team going to get the amount of minutes we need out of this player for the amount of money we'll be having to lay out? I can understand teams being a bit reluctant for that. Um, I understand you, Vane Rangers, are splitting his wages, which seems a sensible option. Um, so I think I, I can... I can understand perhaps why the interest was a bit limited right now when all he's played really since the early autumn is is the games for us. So I can see people just being a little bit hesitant. I think the financial situation with COVID and everything at the minute makes everybody just kind of, you know, inhale that little bit more before they before they take the leap on these sorts of things. So I think I think perhaps we were hopeful that there would be more options on the table for him, but I, I think it's it, the circumstances perhaps mean it was always going to be a reasonably limited pool of interest. Yeah, that's true. Although I will uh, just one thing uh, that, as again, as I understand that that Juve are actually continuing to pay a hundred percent of his wages, um, and if Rangers are contributing, ah, anything, it's okay. a very small amount. So I do think that was an interesting thing. Um, I suppose for his perspective, though. Th- whatever we or anyone thinks of the standard in Scotland, he is going to be competing for a title there rather than, no disrespect to any Burnley fans listening, rather than spending the time having a you know the ball flying over his head, most likely, if he's playing for Burnley. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think there's, yeah. that, there's that angle to it as well. Um, I just want to add one and more thing. Europe- and Go some on. European football as well. On the yeah. And, and, I mean, and they've I'm actually sure got helps. a lot of games coming up. So I can see that they they were interested in getting some extra... Uh, you know, some extra player uh, for the midfield in particular, some some extra meat in their midfield, given what they've got on the horizon game-wise as well. And if they can do it without having to pay his wages, then why wouldn't you do it? Yeah, absolutely. And that, again, did make me think, well, if it's a bit of a pressure-free gamble from a lot of Premier League clubs, if they don't have to pay his wages, <laughs> yeah. but maybe the circumstance would have been different wage-wise um, if they'd have had to, if they didn't have to pay his wages. I'm, I'm not sure. And I know Van Bronckhurst, he didn't, he didn't have a huge number of bad injuries in 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 his playing days, but he he did, he certainly had one bad knee injury when he was at Arsenal, didn't he? So, he, you know, maybe he's a bit more understanding than perhaps some people would be of almost easing Aaron in with the kind of pre-season now on the basis that hopefully he'll be ready for the Dortmund game. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. No, it's an interesting shout. I hadn't thought about it like that. Um, and I'm sure that's true. I'm sure his, his priority, I would say, is probably getting fit for the Wales games. So I think he will be managing yeah. himself and not taking any risks on his side either. Um, the one thing I did want to mention with this, I, I'm not particularly happy with his choice of club. I'm not a I'm not a Rangers fan by any stretch of the imagination. I was really surprised, I, you know, by some of the out outpouring is maybe a bit over dramatic, but certainly was surprised at the the vitriol. Maybe that's a bit too harsh as well. But either way, the, the whole thing about Rangers, they're a royalist club. You know, they got a picture of the Queen in the dressing room, etc. Um, you know, that's not my bag. But I think the expectation that we think Aaron Ramsey would not go there because of that or because fans might be kind of weirded out by that I did think it was a really odd take from from certain Wales fans I've got to be honest I think he's got to go what's best for his career and and and, and ultimately for Wales and I think if this is if he thinks this is it then he should you know he should do that and just retain our 100% support throughout yeah, I mean, I, I think there's, there's it's different things sort of pulling for him versus pulling for Rangers. 
I can understand that there there's a portion of the footballing population in Wales that doesn't like their kind of um yeah, yeah their loyalist sort of tendencies but I think at this point we're pulling for him we're not pulling for them yeah, I agree. And at the end of the day, it's his career. Like, he, you know, he's got to yeah. do what he thinks is the best for him. And, you know, as a, am I happy about the club he plays for? Not particularly. But, you know, it, it, I wouldn't be happy about certain players playing for Man United because I don't like Man United either. I get, I know I know it's a different kettle <laughs> of fish, but I still want them to do well, you know. Um, let's move on from Aaron Ramsey and look at what I thought was a really surprising move uh, for Kiefer Moore. I, I'm not particularly surprised that he went necessarily. I, I think that was always on the cards. I think the two things that surprised me is where he went and how much he went for. I think his location, mm-hmm. you know, he's behind Dominic Solanke. I looked today, he scored 19 goals in 30 games. He is without question their kind of number one striker. So he's going there to play second fiddle to someone. Equally, he is, I would also say, maybe gets doesn't get enough credit as he deserves, but he's certainly they're not not their archetypal striker in terms of style of play either. So it strikes me very uh, very much as being kind of a plan B for them in style as well mm-hmm. as his role. So I did that did surprise me a little bit. The thing that shocked me most was the fee for a guy who's got the international pedigree that he has to have gone for, I think the fee in the end, depending on who you listen to, was between three and a half and five million. I thought for a player that of that standard of what he's proved he's capable of elsewhere, I thought was a real, like a real bargain and a real shame for Cardiff City, financially speaking. Can't, can't disagree with that. I think also that I think Cardiff might have got to the point where it's, we, we need to get something for him. It's, you know, I think that I think they'd perhaps reached a point where mutually it just wasn't working uh, between Moore and, and, and City. And so I guess you reach a point where there's something on the table, there's an offer on the table, and not. And I don't know that there was a lot of other interest for him. Um, so perhaps they were left a little bit between a rock and a hard place. You know, we take this it's, it's this or nothing kind of situation. I agree with you. I think it's an interesting choice for him to go to Bournemouth. I think it's an interesting choice for Bournemouth to pick him up. Um, he can only be depth as far as they're concerned. And, you know, maybe they just want an alternative. And he's very much an alternative, isn't he? And he, he would be a different plan. Um, if he was coming on in the last 10 to 15 minutes. Also, at the time, perhaps they thought they were going to have a bit of an FA Cup run, which is obviously not quite what happened. Um, so, I, I don't know. I don't know, Dave. I'm with you. It was. It's a bit strange. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess for his point of view, he's. this is probably his best chance to go and play, play in the Premier League. Um, I guess he's mm-hmm. banking on them going up this year and then that's his shot to be there. So I get that he was, you know, realistically that wasn't going to happen with Cardiff. Is he going to get picked up by a Premier League club after that Wolves interest cooled and he's kind of not had this best first half of the season now? I, I understand that. I get that. So, you know, from his perspective, I can see why he's gone on that angle. And, I'm, you know, I don't doubt that the the wages will probably help there. I don't know what their situation is financially, Bournemouth, but... Um, I'm sure he won't have taken a pay cut to go there. So uh, there's that, I suppose. You know, and the other thing, I, you know, I guess is, you know, listening to the Edge Foff podcast, it doesn't seem from, you know, people in the know that he's had, uh, how can I say it? He's, I don't think they're devastated he's gone, in, you know, within the club. And I think there's a suggestion that with some of the players that Cardiff have brought in, um, that they may be better off 
on the whole. Um, so there is, I guess, that other angle to it as well, which I, I do think kind of makes it a little bit interesting. But overall, I, I guess surprised. My main thing with him is I, you know, and he's not getting loads of minutes as it is anyway, for one reason or another. But I do hope he gets some time ahead of the ahead of the games in March because I think that's going to be really important for him, obviously. But you know, and and for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I think that's the key, isn't it? Just a bit, a bit playing time. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Let's talk about Nico Williams. There, we mentioned him uh, when we talked about the the transfers uh, a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, he's now ended up going to Fulham, which I do think is a very, very good move for him. I think it's interesting that he's managed to get out at this time. I think it's really interesting that he's gone straight into their team. He played on the weekend against Man City in the FA Cup. So overall, I, I think it's a great, great move for him the group of players and, and a team and a staff who are trying to play attacking football uh, a very dynamic team very young team very quick team and some good players in there as well like Nathan Chalabar I think he'll he'll learn a lot from other young talented footballers so in the short term I think that's a fantastic move for him and just brilliant that he's getting minutes ahead of March as well yeah I mean I was I was very surprised when that came off because I'd, I'd assumed Liverpool would just would just want him in their stable um, for for the remainder of the season, so for him, want to get a loan, and and I mean, if you were describing the sort of loan you'd want him to have, I think Fulham would have would would have been just your perfect match. I think I think it's a great opportunity for him. But I'm with you. I'm very surprised from Liverpool's point of view that they were prepared to release him. It does make me wonder, uh, as I glance into my crystal ball here. I do, it does make me wonder <laughs> if maybe if this is Liverpool's opportunity to look at him elsewhere and see if he realistically is going to get into their team because if you think about players that they've loaned out I don't think they've loaned out too many that they intend to keep Mm -hmm. and I think that you know Ben Woodburn will likely go this summer I think obviously Harry Wilson's gone uh, in the past as well anyone they've loaned out that they've tend to tended to maybe think okay enough enough here I don't think this is going to work out so barring him having a you know a, a, a great End, a miraculous end to the season. I do. I did maybe think that this was a, a sign that this is a final opportunity for him, obviously to prove himself at Fulham, but and, and show everyone else what he can do, but also prove to Liverpool and Liverpool fans what he's capable of and whether they think he can make that step up in the future. I, I'm not sure. I quite agree with that. I think they are confident in him. I, I wonder whether it's more like, are we? Can we sell him on for a bit more if he's had this six months at Fulham? Yeah. You know, if they're looking at it, if they're looking at it more as a yes, we do value him, but does he act, is he actually going to fit with us? Perhaps not. If he's not going to fit with us, how can we leverage the best return for him? Probably give him six months in a good team. Yeah, that's fair. I hadn't thought about it that way. Put him in the shop window a little bit, I guess. I, I suppose that's fair enough. I think we in Wales look at him very differently to how he's viewed by Liverpool fans. I saw after uh, the Man City game, after the, the, the after they equalised, straight away on Twitter, people were saying, I saw some people, sorry, saying on Twitter, things along the lines of, there you go, Nico Williams exposed again. And I feel like saying, well, he's a young boy. <laughs> he's just joined this team. He's gone from, you know, being surrounded by Liverpool players to be surrounded by, no disrespect, Fulham players. And he's playing against arguably the best team in Europe, if not the world at the moment. I I think we need to give the, the boy a bit of, bit of a break. So maybe it was just a change of environment kind of needed. I, I guess it was a perhaps a win-win all round for everyone there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think it's a great move for him. 
Um, like I said, just a bit surprised from Liverpool's angle. I'd be intrigued what their thinking was. Yeah. Um, I forgot to add to the notes, Ruth, uh, Matt Smith, who moved to MK Don, so I apologise yeah. for putting this on you. No, no, I'd, I'd pick that up on that anyway. I uh, thought that was an interesting one. Yeah, I think um, it looks to me like he Man wants City a permanent home, doesn't finally it? Kind of, finally kind of released him. Um, I think it's a good move for him. Um, I think he's a little bit like Harry Wilson perhaps was in that he just reached a point where he needed a home, get off the lone treadmill, as it were. As it were. So, you know, I'm just fingers crossed for him that that, that, that works out. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think the the need for a permanent home seems like the most obvious thing for me. They again, you know, as we've talked about with a couple of others there, they try and play football the right way. So I think that will help him his kind of passing style. I think the regularity of football he gets will help him. Um obviously I think he would like to be playing at a higher standard and MK Dons are doing quite well this year. He was an unused sub on the weekend, but I, I maybe the, the transfer happened a bit too quick for him to be involved in the game, but they're playing tonight. I think they're playing Fleetwood tonight as we record on Wednesday on Tuesday night, sorry. Um so other people who've listened to this will know afterwards whether he uh, whether he got game time or not. But uh, yeah, I, I do think it's a good move for him. I do think it's time that he kind of found that that permanent home, as you said there. Um, just to move on to kind of transfers that didn't happen. Um, there's the two most standout ones, although I don't think anything was realistically going to happen with Danny Ward. I do think that's a shame. I mean, he played on the weekend for Leicester in the Cup. They lost. He didn't shower himself in glory, I'll be honest. I, I don't think it was his fault they lost um, by any stretch of the imagination either. Um, but that is realistically, bar an injury to Kasper Schmeichel, that's that's probably his club season done, unfortunately, which is, which is a big, big shame. So I would have loved to have seen him get a move uh, as he cemented his place as our number one keeper. But... Um, obviously obviously wasn't to be yeah I don't, I don't think there was ever any likelihood of anything coming of that really to be honest um I agree with you I'd like to see him getting more game time but you know at the minute it doesn't seem to be inhibiting what's happening for us at international level just got the hope that continues yeah I'm not sure that's a sustainable way to look at it, I suppose but I, I, I no, just... that's that, that's that's my dilemma with it to be honest yeah I, I fear that we we've 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 got we've gone a long time now with two goalkeepers both getting very very limited club time and you just feel like at some point that's going to come back and hit you in the face yeah i agree let's hope it's not much um i i, I agree <laughs> i i think there's also this thing I wonder if he's kind of happy being a being a sub keeper. I think he maybe he's looking at it like you know Steve Harper type thing where he thinks there's a realistically good chance that Kasper Schmeichel might go somewhere else one day, and when he does, he'll be the person who'll kind of pick up the pieces of that. So he's kind of playing the long game, I guess. But I mean that is based on absolutely no factual knowledge whatsoever. Um, Joe Rodden uh, was the big one. I was really quite surprised that no one came in for him, I'm honest. If I'm honest, there was there were some stories later in the window of interest from Spain, but that didn't materialise into anything, it would appear. I was quite surprised. Uh, again, I, I, I obviously mentioned the Newcastle link. I, I was quite surprised that he there wasn't some interest there. He's exactly the type of player we wanted. Um Equally, I think there are other teams in the Premier League, certainly around our end of the league. Um, Watford could definitely have done with a step up. Leeds could definitely have done with a step up. Um, someone like Everton could probably have done with a step up. Uh, there were definitely a couple of clubs around there who I think could do an improvement in that area. And he, he would strike me as an obvious candidate for that. So I was a little bit surprised that there wasn't more uh, movement or more potential movement around him. 
Do you think it might just be that Conte would only put up with so much change in, there? What in what sense that they didn't need they didn't want to let anyone else go out? Yeah, just just like from his point of view, I, I, I mean, I don't know, but whether it was just like, okay, we, we, you know, well, Daly's move, for example, Hasley, was just like, I will I will tolerate so much, but I'm not going to tolerate all of these. As in, in terms of departures, you mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe. I, I, and, and hopefully this means that he's going to play a bit more prominent role in the second half of the season. I, I don't know. Let's hope that's the case. Um Again, obviously an issue around March in terms of minutes, but he doesn't, you know, given how young he is, he doesn't really seem to kind of need, in inverted commas, those minutes to come in and hit the ground running. But again, I, I appreciate that's not a sustainable way to, to kind of move things mm-hmm. forward. Um, one person I'm delighted didn't move is Brennan Johnson, who I don't know if you saw or how much of the, the Forest game you saw on the weekend against Leicester, who was absolutely fantastic. I, I want to ask you a question about him in a minute, but you were what you're concerned about Brentford. Brentford apparently did come in for him, but they didn't offer enough cash. Um I'm absolutely delighted he's not gone. I think it's great for him to be playing every week in the Championship in Forest. He's obviously having a big, big impact, and, I, and I've been really impressed with what I've seen of him so far, and that was kind of cemented by his performance on the weekend. Yeah, I managed to see some highlights of the game. I didn't see the whole game, but um, as you can imagine, in highlight form, he looked he looked damn impressive. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think he's at a point where I, I suspect he'll move somewhere in the summer, but I'm glad for the remainder of this season that he's gonna he's gonna definitely get regular playing time with them and be and be so crucial to them as they as they push forward and uh, and I think he's appreciated there as as well. You know, you hear you hear interviews with some of the more senior players at the at the club, and you know, his 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 work rate, his endeavour, his skill is definitely not unnoticed. So um I think all in all it's just a it's just a good place right now, isn't it? Yeah, I totally agree. And just to to add to the conversation about the the weekend, I saw most of the game. His involvement with the first goal was a great ball in, which eventually got knocked down and then scored. Obviously, he's kind of read the pass back to Danny Ward and has then nutmeg Danny Ward for the second goal. He was just everywhere. He got fouled a lot. He kept riding tackles and getting back up again. I was so, so impressed with him. And that kind of leads me to my my next question is, depending on the circumstance, I'm, I'm not sure how many minutes, for example, Gareth Bale is going to get for, for, uh, for Real Madrid. You know, is is there an argument that he comes in as as maybe a number ten or even a, a, a wide player, depending on how we play in that game? I think there's an argument. I think Harry Wilson's role is is another. There's another question around his involvement as well, isn't it? So I, I do I do think there's some difficult decisions potentially for for who to start and how to start in March. Um, I think it'll be it'll become a little bit clearer if if Gareth gets some time over the next month um, with Real, I think that might swing things back in his favour. But if the game was tomorrow, I think it, I think both Wilson uh, and Johnson would would be in serious consideration ahead of Bale. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I do think Bale would end up playing regardless and I do think he will end up playing as well. A lot of it depends on the system as well. Like we've we've often talked about the, the, the possibility of it being too up front, but that is kind of dependent on who's fit and whatever. And you're almost hoping in a way that someone will be suspended or injured because it makes you 
makes your decision easier whereas i'm not sure that's going to be the case now so you know it again makes it kind of an interesting uh interesting dilemma if you like for rob page but a good one to have i'd, I'd rather have uh, these sorts of problems than who the hell is going to play there because everyone has rubbish or injured so it's yeah. uh, it's a good problem to have um talking about game time and people playing the women's team are playing in the pinatar cup in spain on the 16th of february first game is against scotland i think i'm right in saying um the squad will be released tomorrow my big question uh well i suppose by the time people listen to this it'll be it'll be out today now um i think the big question here is do you think it's going to be a bit more of a youthful squad ruth or do you think we're going to stick with the tried and trusted players uh and kind of really build a head of steam and see if we can Trust, uh, push ourselves against these better teams like Scotland, Belgium, etc., and see if we can kind of go after. I, I think that might. I think that might also depend on the result in the first game, and whether we're sort of playing on in the cup, as it were, or whether we're playing the the games because the the games continue to provide the ranking. So if we beat Scotland, I think I think we'll put out our first team against Scotland. If we beat Scotland. I think it that might then flow into putting the first team out against what would probably be Belgium at that point. Um, the under-19s actually have got two games against the Scots um, up at Colliers Park. And that's, I think the first one is the day before the, the full team start in the Pinotar Cup. So I'm not sure we're going to see perhaps as many of the youngsters in the squad for the Spanish tournament as we might have seen if they didn't have these games against the Scots themselves. Um, so I think some of this will be answered, as you said, when we see tomorrow's squad. But ultimately, I think Granger's sort of process for the games may depend on how we do in the first one. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that was my logic as well. Um, I, great point about the under-19s. I hadn't considered that. Um, the goalkeeper one was the one for me. Again, I've mentioned this a couple of times before. I just wonder when the next cab off the rank, um, likely Poppy Sofa or Olivia Clark, when they're going to get their chance to get some time. And as you say, I wonder if, if we don't win the first one and we don't continue in the tournament, in inverted commas, then that that might be the opportunity for them to get some game time. Um, I also was looking at Rachel Rowe. Obviously, she's been kind of in and out with injury. I was wondering what her circumstance was. Checked, checked there. She did uh, come back in and play on the weekend, which was great. Uh, she came off the bench. What interested me, though, when I started looking at Reading's team and did a bit of backing and forth in, was that Tash Harden is playing centre-half, which I think we relatively knew, but she's playing there with Gemma Evans, which, again, is kind of a good Welsh link. But Lily Woodham also was playing left-back on the weekend, which I thought was really, really interesting, given she's certainly holds a more attacking uh, role for us. I was really surprised mm-hmm. by that, and but equally kind of liked three of the back four being Wales players at the same time. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, I think I suspect it says more about Reading than us. Um, but I, I don't think it hurts necessarily for players to have multiple, to be versatile, as it were, to have sort of multiple um, tools in their arsenal. Um, but I, I think it, it, ref, it probably reflects a little bit on the troubles that Reading are having at the minute, the difficulties they're having. 
Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think that's a fair comment. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Looking forward to that, obviously, um, starting in a week's time, pretty much. So I'd imagine by the time we reconvene in a couple of weeks, they would have played most of their games, if not all of them. Um, we wanted to brush on the playoff tickets, and we were going to, you know, I was hoping to have some sort of celebration uh, of my... Um, of my procuring of a playoff ticket. And um, I'm going to be honest with you, Ruth, it was a shamble. <laughs> um, I don't want to be too critical because I, I recognize it's a difficult situation. It's easy. It looks like they've outsourced it as well to Ticketmaster. So, you know, there's only so many fingers perhaps can be pointed at the at the FAW, but and you got I got a, a tweet back from uh, I am Bagsy as well today, who who made the point that sometimes things can just oh you can be unexpected, it can overwhelm you, um you know mm-hmm. uh, with with the traffic, which I do understand, and I wonder if maybe there was a confusion between people who didn't understand the difference, if you like, between I they went to the Belarus and the Belgium match but didn't have the double tickets, but because they'd gone to both, they mm-hmm. thought they were in the top tier, if you like. So I did wonder if that kind of caused added traffic and, and confusion within that i don't know um but for anyone who didn't know can i just ask on. can i ask something dave just from a, a practical point of view like when you went in were you able to get in because you'd been given like a special code because you were in group one or was it was it only when you actually got to the point where you tried to gain a ticket that you were told whether you could or you couldn't um basically once you'd logged in uh, and eventually if I, I, I discount all the faff that had gone before mm-hmm. once you'd got to yeah. the point and you could kind of click on it it says show abil- availability or find tickets and once you clicked on that button before you got to the point where you could choose your tickets it said either you are not eligible for this or will have said you are not eligible for this um, you know, click here for more information. So it didn't actually get you into the web. It wouldn't let you into the website unless you were eligible because you had to be logged in through your FAW number. Um, okay, I'm with you. Um, but yeah, ultimately what happened, I was kind of there at 11 o'clock my time, 10 o'clock uh, British time. And it just kept saying that it was only open for a test event. So that was a little bit weird. And it got to like quarter past and I was just like, oh, this is a bit weird. And someone came up and said, oh, I'm I'm in a queue. And I was like, oh, bloody hell, I've been waiting in the website for ages and now I'm going to be back at the back of the queue. So kind of joined mm-hmm. the queue. It told me that I wasn't going to be allowed in to just to access the website for about another half an hour. So like five to five to 12 here, which is crap because I, I had to go back to work. Um, so I just kind of sat there waiting. In the end, I was just like, do you know what? I, I can't I can't do this. I've got to go. I was super annoyed mm-hmm. um, having waited for an hour and whatever else and then had to go to work equally. Then I got saw a few other tweets from people saying that they got to the front of the queue and were either told they weren't eligible or just got kicked off the website and kicked to the back of the queue. So it was a lot of wasted time for people, for sure. Um, eventually, they came out a few hours later and said that they're going to be going out a little bit later in the afternoon. I think it was 2 o'clock British time that, the, that they went on sale. And again, to be fair, that side of things, once they'd obviously sorted whatever the issues were, were fairly seamless. You just logged in, joined the mm-hmm. queue, you had your 10 minutes in the website to get your tickets, and once you'd chosen in your tickets they were they were reserved for you for 20 minutes so in total you had about half an hour i guess to kind of um to mm-hmm. get what you wanted that bit was quite simple got the tickets paid for them and off you go so in the end it was fine once you got in but it was definitely a stressful situation a lot of people um expressing disappointment that they'd been to the belarus and the belgium game but didn't have the double tickets so weren't eligible here that seemed a shame um 
<laughs> so yeah, I, I do get it. I, you know, part it's a difficult one. This, and I, and I obviously want to know what you think. I part of me thinks they just can't win here to an extent. If people have bought both tickets and got in, then people are saying, "Well, I bought the double header. Why didn't? Why shouldn't I get advantage?" And then there's going to be some Red Wall <laughs> members if they let everyone in who said who probably didn't have a chance to get a ticket. So I, I guess this opens up this to, to Red Wall members as well. So they're kind of damned if they do, damned if they don't, I think, to an extent with the, uh, you know, who's eligible and who's not. Um, but I will say, and again, I don't know anything near how this works in terms of logistics and the technology and whatever. But this has been, you know, I've had this marked in my calendar for ages Every, you know, this they can't have been surprised at the amount of people who wanted to get tickets and, and kind of sign up and, and, and get involved in this. So I was really, really surprised and kind of disappointed, really, that it hadn't kind of predicted what was going to happen and that it kind of ended up going the way it did because it was obvious what the interest in this was going to be like. So it was a shame that this was kind of handled this way. But ultimately, I guess everyone who could have got a ticket has ended up getting a ticket um, at this stage. So mm-hmm. I guess all's well that ends well. But um, I do think it was a bit of a shame. I mean, I think I think you're you're right in that damned if they do it. They've got to have some kind of criteria, haven't they? They've yeah, got to exactly. they've got to create tiers of people. Otherwise, it would there would yeah. There's got to be a hierarchy to this. I feel, um, and I suppose from the double header tickets, they know exactly what number they're dealing with. Whereas perhaps it's more difficult to work out who's been to both games, but not but not necessarily. Kind of, I'm sure you could do it, but it wouldn't be as simple. Yeah. Um, but I agree with you. It sounds like that caused some confusion as to people that felt they'd been to both games, and so they were in the top, um, like the first, the first through the door part of the queue. So I can see that that caused confusion. It sounds also as well as if they've outsourced it to Ticketmaster, whether just the interface wasn't ready for this, or yeah, they just didn't, it just, it just didn't integrate well enough. Um, I'm sure there's some lessons learned there. Uh, but in fairness, it is, I mean, it sounds like it was all resolved relative. I mean, I, I can understand it would be horribly stressful. And, I, you know, if, if I'd have been getting up in the middle of the night to do this, I would have been damn annoyed. Um, but it sounds like it was resolved relatively quickly by these things. Um, I think, I suppose, the mixed messages that people were getting initially until that email came through would have been that would be hard because you you always think the worst, don't you? You think that you're the one person yeah. who's not progressing in the queue or has been pushed to the back or hasn't got the right code. You always assume it's just you as opposed to it's a holistic problem. And actually, these problems tend to be more holistic problems, don't they? Yeah, I agree. And I was one of those people. I was like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm that person. And I went on Twitter and I like posted, <laughs> like, is anyone else having the same message? And within about within within about two minutes i must have had like 20 replies that just said same um so I, that, that did make me feel instantly better um i mean if we're going to talk relative positives out of it um noel mooney has uh, tweeted a load of people us included actually apologizing which um 
is quite a nice touch, to be perfectly honest. Um, mm-hmm. I also tweeted that it was very, I felt like it was very 2001 FAW, that sort of thing. <laughs> Got to a big game, and can we handle it? Absolutely not. Um, but So that, that did make me laugh. Someone replied and was just like, I much preferred it when there was a caravan on Westgate Street, and I had totally forgotten about the caravan on Westgate Street. When I started going in the early 2000s, you basically rolled out of the pub 15 minutes before the game kicked off, walked down Westgate Street, <laughs> Popped into the little caravan on the side of the road, got your ticket and walked straight into the main entrance. And basically no one really cared. As long as you had a ticket, no one really cared where you sat. You just walked in, picked a couple of seats with your pals and sat down and got on with it. So, um, you know, there's, there's a part of me that does perhaps miss those, uh, those days, although I don't miss the football or the results. But, um, but there you go. Um, maybe maybe they need the optional caravan on Westgate Street. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe they should do that in the future. Actually, just for for big games, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna keep a thousand tickets, and uh, it, it depending on if you're really drunk and you've gone to Westgate Street, still thinking the games at the Millennium Stadium, we will give you a ticket out of the goodness of our hearts. They actually do that. That's actually that has to be done over here in the US. You have to hold a portion of the tickets to sell on the day at the door. Oh, really? You can't, you can't not do that. I don't know. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, so that's why there was always huge queues at outside, uh, outside Fenway Park, even though you knew the game was technically sold out because there was always on the day tickets. I just thought that was idiots like me who'd stay too long in the pub and were just turning up a bit late. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's it's interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm not I'm not advocating that as a an option, but it it, it does add something to the whole kind of ticketing scenario. I, I think so. I think that'd be mildly entertaining. I got to be honest. Um, <laughs> one thing that did happen whilst all of this fiasco was going on, which I did think was really interesting time wise, was there was a, a press announcement put out that uh, the associations of England, Scotland, Northern Ireland, Wales and the Republic of Ireland have agreed to submit a joint bid for Euro 2028 rather than pursue a bid for the 2030 World Cup. Before we go into the ins and outs, Ruth, I was just intrigued on your view. Why Why do you think it was sent out? It seems like a very deliberate move to send that out at that time. I know, it seems very strange, doesn't it? I, I don't understand what you would gain by trying to have those two things going on at the same time. Because... I mean, presumably press. I mean, we we got hold of the the Wales press release, but presumably press releases went from from all the um, all the federations involved out at the same time. Um, so it's it. I'm I'm sure that everybody could have agreed that we're going to sit on this for another twelve hours because you know Wales are dealing with this particular thing right at that moment. Um, I it just seems so it that makes you think it was very deliberately at the same time. And then that doesn't, that to be honest, that doesn't feel like the FAW. It doesn't feel like the sort of thing they would do. It also just doesn't feel a good use of manpower at a point when you knew, you know, however confident you might be in the ticketing scenario, you're going to be handling questions. You're going to be getting messages. You're going to have things you've, you've got to do. You're, you're going to be talking to the press about how the ticket sales have gone at the very least. And so to add in this other element at the same time just doesn't seem a good manpower use. So it's a very strange one because it just doesn't say FAW to me, or at least the FAW, the normal FAW of 2022. It doesn't say that to me. So I, I find it very intriguing, the timing. 
Yeah, I thought that as well. I, I did find that quite weird. Like you say, if someone would have gone, oh, bloody hell, we're releasing the tickets then. Should we do another time? Or even an hour earlier, an hour later. The fact it was the exact time I thought I thought was really interesting. I don't know whether it was a combination of people, they were worried that there might be some disappointment that we've gone from trying to get a World Cup to trying to get a Euros, perhaps, was the, was the one thing I could think of. But I think I'm being quite, uh, you know, I'm just as a bit of a stab in the dark there, I suppose. Um, overall, what is your take if you like on on the on the situation the potential hosting of the tournament i think i think i'm happier that we're going after a euros rather than going after a world cup i think that just seems a more sensible just a more sensible kind of scenario um but so at, at the minute there's there's so minimal details to it that you, you i think i think i end up feeling oh well this will be led by England we'll get the scraps you know we've only got one stadium that they'll consider letting us use (coughs) excuse me Um, so I kind of end up feeling like we're we're you know just getting the hand-me-downs but and but that might be my kind of default setting because in fairness we haven't got any of those details we don't know if they're intending to have you know a final in Glasgow we don't know what they're proposing so um it seems I I feel it almost seems like a little bit of a missed opportunity I would rather have seen Scotland Northern Ireland the Republic and us try and get uh, a Euros and and see if we could do it without England but that might be my just kind of chip on my shoulder playing <laughs> more part than it should really to be honest uh someone on twitter who i can't remember made the point that realistically if they were to do that they would still need some sort of approval from the treasury the to all intents and purposes english government um so that would be unlikely because they'd still need all the similar, they'd still need a lot of very similar mechanisms in place, but without having England involved, which would seem like an odd thing. So I, I hadn't thought of it from that perspective, although there's there's probably some truth in that. Um, my initial is that, over- is that I mean, I can I can understand that point, but given and I'm I'm disjointed for this, so I could be wrong. But sport is basically governed out of Cardiff. You'd have Dublin perhaps being the lead in this, which is so that's a mute connection anyway. I, w- I wonder whether is it the sort of bigger sort of infrastructure policing that side of things that would have to be a bit more London London centred. I would. I mean, that's a good question. I don't know. I would imagine that. I guess the point is, one way or the other, with whether it's specifically finance, whether it's sport, whether it's policing, whatever, there would have to be a Westminster, London Treasury, whatever involvement to some extent. Yeah, to some extent. Yes, I know. Yeah. I can see. I can see the concern. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, my overriding feeling, my my initial overriding feeling is, England, obviously had a mare at the Euros in the summer with the stadiums and, the, and everything that happened there. We don't need to go down that road again. But I do. it does make me feel a little bit like we are be, will be used to host some group games. And when it comes down to the crunch, the semis and the finals, that'll just be England's tournament. And we're just being used, if you like, to kind of mask their in, 
inefficiencies, deficiencies, sorry, from from previous mm-hmm. tournaments and show like, oh, it's, it's going to be okay actually because Wales and, and and whoever else were in it, and they're they're actually really nice. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I I I could I you know maybe as you say that maybe that's the chip on my shoulder, um, kind of kicking it a little bit. But that was my initial thought. I do have a few kind of side questions for you if you're interested. I I totally agree mm-hmm. about the, the Celtic bid as well. Um, it would obviously depend on a lot of things. The one thing I wanted to ask you, you said as you as you talk in there that you thought that realistically we could only hold football in one stadium, which I assume you're implying well, would think, be the millennium. Well, I think what will happen, I think that's the case that they'll make, that you can't have, am I right in thinking that you can't have two, two stages in the same city? Although what? there was multiple stages right. used in Paris, wasn't there? Yeah, there were so multiple. I, I might be yeah. wrong there. That's a great point. I hadn't thought of that. I would imagine in this circumstance that would probably not work in the sense that I suppose if you've got, I don't know, just picking countries off the top of my head, like Norway are playing Spain on Saturday in the Millennium Stadium and um, Germany are playing Slovakia uh, on the Sunday in Cardiff City Stadium, will Cardiff be able to host four large sets of football supporters i suppose that's a that's a different thing so maybe that would be the problem there but i i obviously have no uh no knowledge of that at all i think what would be the thing my plus side to it would be if that maybe it would could aid development of a football stadia that don't currently meet regulations for example we've often talked about Wrexham could this mm-hmm. financial input be something that could help Wrexham let's say um, improve their capacity um, and and help them host international football again that was my, my that was my first thought on it I'd, but I don't know if you think that's a bit pie in the sky because I'd imagine that Cardiff Swansea and obviously Millennium Stadium are would be close to fit to, to, for purpose for, for international football already given they've hosted premier league games mm-hmm. yeah no I, th- I don't think it's just uh, a straightforward we don't like we haven't got the infrastructure i think i think my understanding was there was complications around using both potentially using both the ccs and the millennium but then i realized that that as thinking back to 2016 there was more than one stadium used in paris so that maybe i'm mistaken there um there's no reason why um, a Swansea.com stadium doesn't doesn't meet the regulations. I think that for me was one of the strengths of having a more a smaller group of nations involved was then the thought of having something in Swansea, something in Cardiff, and hopefully something in Wrexham kind of made sense because it was a a triangle within, you know, a, a spread sort of across the Irish Sea and up to Scotland, as it were. Um, I just think, I just think that this will end up. My fear is this will end up being steered by England, and so then the, the case will be: well, you've really only got one city that can handle this, and you, you know, pick the stadium. Yeah, I know. I, I agree with that. I, I think. There's there's two things for me because I, I think if it's, if there's if there's going to be a stadium that's invested to make this work really it has to be in Belfast doesn't it 
I think that's yeah. if there's going to be a sort of collective endeavour to bring a stadium up to scratch, it's probably going to be Belfast. But aren't they already in the process of doing that, though? That, hasn't that already I, I don't started? Know, I'm, to be honest, I think it's started, but is it there? No, but I would imagine that you'd think that it'll need to have happened before 2028 anyway. I, I, I obviously don't know. Yeah, I don't know enough true. about that. Yeah. I, I think my line of thinking is, is similar in the sense that I don't think we need to worry about get hosting it so that we can have a host's spot. There was a lot of conjecture today about, you know, would there be a round-robin tournament and the two top teams from the tournament qualify as hosts and everyone else goes into the pot and what does that mean? Do we want to miss out on a qualifying campaign? Blah. I think, you know, there's a lot of moot points there. I, I think, you know, one suggestion which I loved was the idea of us uh, picking a load of Wales away destinations we haven't been to yet and just playing international friendlies um, in places that we quite fancy a trip to, which I'm actually quite keen for. If that if that is the upside, then sign me up for the Faroe Islands away. That is very much on my bucket list. But um, yeah, I, I think there's, there's a lot of conjecture about stuff that is irrelevant because I think we will keep qualifying for tournaments. If coming second in, in groups is what we need to do to qualify for tournaments, I don't want to be glib about it, but I think that that will continue to happen, um, in, at least in the short term. I think for me, there's two things that I want to see happen if this is going to be feasible and worthwhile. I think there needs to be an improvement in infrastructure in Wales to get people around and about so from you know beyond Cardiff to Swansea I think if there if there's going to be something here let's do something in Wrexham let's either you know improve let's say the race course and do something that way and commit to hosting football there and improve the infrastructure trains whatever transport links that it is easy or easier to get from North Wales to South Wales without having to go through England or go on a bus that takes five days um, my alternative would be to if this is an opportunity for us to build a national football stadium somewhere else in Wales out of the capital city, I think then I would be very interested. But for me, if either or both of those things aren't on the table and we just end up hosting games in places that already exist, I, I don't really see what the benefit is in any way. Someone someone said I saw today, you know, it'd be great for people who can't afford to travel to see Wales in a, in a major tournament. Yeah, okay. I, th- I think that's a fair point. But I think if you want to commit to hosting a tournament, the finances and everything that goes into that, so that some people can see Wales play on on their doorstep in a major tournament, I think is is not really the most logical or sensible reason for doing it. I think there has to be something financially long-term that's beneficial to Welsh football from this. And obviously we don't have that information at the moment. I would just be very surprised I if think if there were, if there were... Conscious infrastructure improvements, then then that's a plus. I'm just I just don't see that happening. Yeah, I mean, um, that, that's my point. Yeah, particularly if what you're doing is you're hosting, I don't know, you're hosting Italy, Slovenia, for argument's sake, then that infrastructure is probably focused on the fact that you've got an airport in Cardiff. It's not really what is the bus service from. Yeah. Real to Swansea, is it? <laughs> um, so, because there isn't. Um, so I think I'm with you. I think if there was an infrastructure improvement, yes, but I'm not sure it's it would be the sort of infrastructure improvement we'd want to see necessarily. No, I, I yeah, uh, maybe not. But I mean, if, if that was part not of the, the, not top of the list anyway. Yeah, no, I get that. I just I think it has to be part of the conversation at least because otherwise I don't know it is a bigger mm. picture what else are we getting out of this. Um, 
my my final nail in the coffin would be we've we've long talked about the no to team gb argument um you know i i, I don't want to speak for for both of us but i i'm i'm confident that we're both of the same viewpoint on on the no to team gb thing um does this not play into the hands of people at uefa that says well hang on you you say you're not you know you're not you can't work together as a as an organization different football histories da 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 da, da yet to host a tournament you can come together what's that all about I, I again i don't know i'm just kind of putting that suggestion forward i think i think the saving grace there is having the republic involved i think that at least at least makes the conversation slightly different um i could i i think we can't press for any hosting um buys to get in as hosts because i think that plays exactly into that argument with UEFA they can turn around and say well have a UK team and a Republic of Ireland team and yeah then you can have two hosting spots you know you know but we're not we're not giving you five um so I I think we have to be very careful around that um I I think it would be a lot about how this was formed in the sense that if it comes across as England plus um then that that could be a very dangerous, uh, a very dangerous uh, Pandora's box that we're opening. If it if it is framed more as a sort of Celtic contingent with a bit of England, then I think that I think that might be safer. It it, it is one of the things that worries me because I think. I think we've just got to be careful we don't fall into traps with this. We're we're managing to walk a bit of a tightrope with this, with the current situation. And we are very fortunate, um, you know, that history has been kind to us in this regard. There's plenty of opportunities where we we could have ended up with the team GB. And I think um, we have to be careful. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's my main concern. I, I, like I said, I just don't see on a on a fun, fundamental footballing level what realistically we gain from this, in a, in the longer term. So it's it's a no from me. I I also just think that it would end up being an England plus bid, which really would annoy me. Um, and I also, uh, for no particular reason, don't really like the idea of having five countries host a tournament. I just. The, the, you can either do it or you can't, and I know that's, you know, might be an unpopular thing to say, but that that's that is what it is. I I think, um, and the fact that England are part of this when they can quite clearly host a tournament on their own does make me think this would end up being an England plus. But there you go. That's just me being uh, cynical. That, that's a bit that doesn't make sense to me. I mean, England can only really be involving the rest of us because it provides them with something. And I just wor- I would worry about that motive. I think their motive might be exactly what you were saying that they're kind of like hiding behind the nice people, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And it's like, do we really want to? Do we really want to get into bed with these guys? That's fundamentally my yeah. feeling. My feeling is no, thank you. Yeah, I, I think we uh, we don't need to flog that proverbial horse, uh, Ruth. But I I <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I would agree with you there. <laughs> Um, well, well, there you go, ladies and gents. We have officially uh, destroyed the uh, the UK wide bid for Euro twenty twenty eight. So that's probably not going to happen anymore. Uh, you're welcome. Um, so there we go. I I uh, I don't actually have anything else to add, Ruth. But uh, have you got anything else? 
No, I think I think I need to turn the engine on before I become a block of ice over here. <laughs> Uh, well, I've I've got I've got chicken wings for tea tonight using Alan's uh, Alan's guidance and recipe. Uh, Ruth Helen, her husband Alan, okay. gave me some wings uh, advice good, many good. many moons ago. So I'm having wings for tea uh, as I prepare to watch Newcastle uh, play Everton tonight in a, in another big game. Hopefully, some of our new signings will be brilliant at football. Um, we we will see. We will be back in two weeks when I'm sure we will talk about the Pinatar Cup and a few other bits and bobs which are sure to arise in the next few weeks thank you very much for your time as always ruth you're welcome you're welcome can you hear the teeth chattering (laughs) just about just about um (laughs) thank you very much everybody and we will speak to you soon bye-bye bye-bye